Hello, Door Creek Church. Uh, welcome to today's service. Thank you so much for joining us. So we're going to continue our series. Yes, come and see the gospel of John. It's been powerful. It's been impactful. Wow, it's been anointed. So thank you so much for, for sticking with us as we, we took a little break from it to talk about against all odds and talk about the gifts. Now we're back to the gospel of John. Uh, and it's been a couple of weeks and we're going to really dig into the, the scriptures here, finishing up the 11th chapter of John here. So today our sermon goal is, is to lead us to the understanding that in spite of who the messenger is, it's the message that matters. Okay. In spite of who the messenger is, and you'll see what I'm talking about as we go in the scriptures, it's the message that counts. All right, so go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to um, the Gospel of John, chapter 11. Uh, grab your iPods, your iPads, your iPhones, or your eyeglasses, and let's, um, let's get to it. Let's dive into the Scriptures, 11th chapter. We're going to be starting at the 45th verse, and we're going to be finishing up um, to the 57th verse, the, the entire um, rest of the chapter of John. So today my, my sermon theme is the plot Thickens. Yes, the plot thickens. And we're going to see what plot I'm referring to. Okay, let's read the scriptures. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So here we see. This is following the miracle that Jesus did by raising Lazarus as um, Jesus went and met Martha and Mary. You know, Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus. Um, they were dear friends to him. He went to Bethany, and they met him there. He met Mary and Martha there, and many followed, and they saw the miracle of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Remember, after four days, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. So, Many had come to comfort, pay their respects to Mary and Martha and to let them know, you know how we do. We, we give our condolences. We pay our respects. We let them know we're praying for you. You know, hold God's unchanging hand. He's going to see you through. So they were comforting Mary and Martha because of Lazarus's death. The scripture says they came to visit Mary. Okay. But Martha was also comforted too and had seen what Jesus did and believed in him. So some were convinced and believed in Jesus because of the miracle. They had now Jesus had done other miracles that many had saw before too. But here, when we're talking about the raising of Lazarus, there were so many people that not all believed, but some believed because of what they saw. But then it says, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. So we had some tattletales. We had some that wanted to go and report on what Jesus had done. Instead of believing and accepting and rejoicing over it, they wanted to uh, um, report what Jesus was doing to the Pharisees. All right, it says, so then the chief priests and the Pharisees called the meeting of the Sanhedrin. What are we accomplishing? They asked. Here is this man performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. Now, they even believed how powerful 
the gospel and Jesus's work was. Look, look at what they're saying. Sometimes even believers won't even admit this or believe that. But he said, if we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him. And then the Romans will come and take away both our temple and our nation. All right, so there's a few characters here, the Pharisees, all right? The Pharisees um, were religious leaders, all right? The Pharisees were the, the, they were committed and dedicated to keeping the law. Um, they were hypocrites in many ways. Um, so they went to report to the Pharisees, the law keepers or the, the, the law abiders. And um, the Sanhedrin, they called a meeting of the Sanhedrin. Now, you got to understand, it says they called a meeting of the Sanhedrin, which is the high court. Like the Supreme Court here in our land, it was the high court, which was made up of, uh, of, of 70, and some say 71, of, of the choicest men, judges, and priests. Now, it was a combination of Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, Sadducees was the other um, Jewish, Jewish sect, which was made of more elite and more wealthy um, Jewish um, Jewish uh, folks. And so the Sadducees and the Pharisees made up this Sanhedrin court. So the fact that they said they called a, Sanhe uh, a Sanhedrin meeting meant this was outside of their regular meeting time. This was outside. This wasn't their regular meeting time. So we'll take up this at our next meeting. No, they called the meeting of the highest court, the Sanhedrin, because they were concerned about what Jesus was doing. What was Jesus doing? Jesus was working miracles. Jesus was presenting himself as the, the soul-saving gospel, and it was, be, it, was, it was becoming a national security threat to the Jews, to the, to the Pharisees. It was becoming, Jesus was a national security threat, and so they had to have a meeting to see how are we going to stop this man from converting these people, if we don't stop him, everyone is going to believe in him. And you know what happens if everyone believes in him? The Romans, who were the, the mightiest army, army at that time, uh, they were very in the political and military. They were the strongest and they ruled. They ruled everything. So the, Jewish, the Jews were under their um, authority. And so they said, if we don't stop Jesus and everyone starts believing in him, then the Romans will come and they will take away our temple and our nation. Ha, ah, so the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sahedrin court, the Jewish, they, the Jews, they were afraid of losing their temple and their identity or their nation. They were afraid that the Romans would come and destroy them because of what's happening around them. They would be blamed for what Jesus is doing. So they said, we have to stop this. Well, the Romans will come. They will take away our temple and our nation. There are so many out there believing on this Jesus. He's working miracles. He's doing wonders. He's doing great things. We've got to do something about this. Yes, any kind of emergency session or, or, or special session that's called here in the United States is usually a reaction to a natural disaster or war. Something like that, 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 that is out of the ordinary, that calls for a special 
um, votes to be done in a special session. This is what they considered Jesus. This is, this is a man doing the work of his father, bringing peace, bringing joy, bringing miracles to people all around who would want, who would desire, who would seek him. And they considered him a national security threat. Security to their, uh, a threat to their security, a threat to the security of their, uh, um, of their position, of their power, of their lives in fear of the Romans. Security in their place. We'll let Jesus, Jesus wasn't stunned. He wasn't stunned trying to be what he was not called to be. He knew what he was called to be. He was called to come, die for our sins, and rise again. He wasn't trying to, be, to, to become this or that for the Jews or the Romans, except for be the Savior, the Lord, the Son of God. And they considered his work a national security threat. So they had a meeting. They called a special meeting. Says then one of them named Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. Now Caiaphas was he was a Sadducee, um, he was the leader of the Sadducees. He was a high priest for eighteen years, so he had some some authority. He had some some stake in all of this. It says so. Caiaphas was high priest that year. He spoke up. You know nothing at all. This is his response to the Sanhedrin, which is saying. We have to stop Jesus before everyone believes and the Romans come and take away our stuff, right? He says, you all know nothing. He says, you do not realize that it is expedient or it is better for you or us that one man die for the people than the whole nation perish. Now, he thinks he's really saying something here. He says, it's, it's better that one man die for his people, then the whole nation perish. Well, duh, that's exactly what Jesus came to do, Caiaphas. Thank you for being a mouthpiece for God. Thank you for being the, the messenger, the prophet, and giving us the prophecy, which is a message from God. He says it's better. Yes, it is. It's better. It's expedient. It's necessary that one man die. For the people. Hallelujah. And that's what Jesus did. But Caiaphas was worried about the nation. He was worried about the Jewish nation. We've got to save face. We've got to save ourselves. Let's kill this man and save ourselves. When it really was Jesus said, I will die so I can save you. He says in verse 51, he says he did not say this on his own. Now, Pay attention to this. He did not say this on his own. Nobody forced him. Nobody twisted his arm, right? Nobody gave him a script. No, the Holy Spirit moves. The Holy Spirit was moving even when you don't recognize it or when you don't see it or when you don't think he's moving. He's moving. God is moving. He says he did not say this on his own, but as high priest that year, he prophesied, which is speaking a word or a message of God. He prophesied that Jesus would die for the Jewish nation. Amen. Isn't that what he did? Amen. And not only for that nation. Now, now he's preaching now. Come on, Caiaphas. He's preaching now. He says, and not only for that nation, 
but also for the scattered children of God to bring them together and make them one. Remember early on in John when Jesus was talking about the good shepherd and he said, other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring and there should be one fold and they shall hear my voice and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Well, here it is. Here we, here, here we see that um, Caiaphas is speaking, preaching the word of God. He's prophesying that Jesus Christ will die for the nation. But not only that, he won't stop there, but he will also die for those who have been scattered, the children of God, and he will bring them all together and make them one. Let the church say amen. Huh? He will make them one. My God, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. This is the word. This is the mission. This is the vision. This is the purpose of the gospel. This is why we have the gospel. This is the Bible, the word of God, wrapped up in this one scripture that Jesus came to die for everyone, even the lost, the scattered. He came to die that all one day would be one. So Caiaphas thinks he's really doing something or thinks he's saying something, but God is using him. God is using him. Don't be discouraged when folks at your job or folks around you or your friends or whoever it might be are, are being mean or, or plotting against you or being evil. Listen, God can turn that. God can use them so that you are still blessed. All things work together for the good of them who are called according to his purpose. So if you are called to God's purpose, don't be discouraged when bad things happen around you. Now, I'm not saying put on a fake smile and fake happiness. I'm saying look beyond it and be hopeful that God will work it out for your good. He can use your enemy at your job so that you could still be blessed. He can use the enemy that's plotting against you to speak up when they don't even know it so that you get the promotion. Nah, that's the way God is. They say he works in mysterious ways. Hallelujah. Well, here, Caiaphas thought he was slick, thought he was doing something, thought he was saying something. The high priest, and here the high priest is being used as a prophet to speak God's word. God's word is powerful, folks. God's word is mighty. God's work never fails. God's work cannot fail. It cannot be defeated. You stand strong, firm on God's word and on God's promises. All right? Let's go on here. So you bring them all together so that from, they, so, so from that day, as um, Caiaphas is, is, is preaching, right? He would bring them together to make them one. So it says, from that day on, they plotted to take his life. They plotted. See, the plot thickens now, huh? They plotted to take his life. Now, while they were plotting to take Jesus' life, God was planning to save our lives. They were plotting, which is an, an, a, a, a secret, evil, behind-the-scenes thing. God was planning, which is an, an intentional purpose. God had an intentional purpose in his plan to save us through the death and resurrection of Jesus. The Pharisees had a plot to secretly arrest or to secretly kill or, or, or seek Jesus so they could kill him 
arrest him and kill him. All right. They plotted while God was planning. So from that day on, they plotted to take his life. First, verse 54. Therefore, Jesus no longer moved about publicly among the people of Judea. Instead, he withdrew to a region near the wilderness to a village called Ephraim, Ephraim, where he stayed with his disciples. So Jesus constantly stayed with his disciples. Uh, as, as we know, he, 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 he worked, he, he ministered, he prayed, uh, um, he taught, he, di he disciplined, he, he developed his disciples. So at this time, Jesus wasn't scared of what the Pharisees were, wanted to do to him. Jesus knew that it wasn't his time. There is a time, God's plan and God's time is not the same as man's. Man has his plans, but God also has the master plan, okay? So it was not Jesus's time yet to be arrested. So he hid himself or he, yeah, it says he, he, he no longer walked publicly, but withdrew. I, let's use the word. He withdrew himself to a region near the wilderness, to a village where he stayed with his disciples. Now, the disciples were about to face something very drastic, very horrific, um, very intimidating that they had, had never faced before. And that was when Jesus would get arrested and, and so on. I'm not going to get ahead of all, all the, the, the preaching that you're going to hear in the next few weeks, but they were, he was preparing them for what they were to face. So he's with his disciples. He's spending time in the, in the wilderness, um, near the wilderness in Ephraim. It says, verse 55, when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, so this had to be about maybe a week or so um, before because it was like um, five days, six days or so when he visited with, with, with Lazarus. So this was, this was leading up to the Jewish Passover. It says, many went up from the country to Jerusalem for their ceremonial cleansing before the Passover. So they were making preparation <clears throat> for the Passover. They kept looking for Jesus. Okay, Jesus withdrew. They were looking for Jesus. As they stood in the temple court, they asked one another. They were whispering, you know, saying, you, you, where, you, where's Jesus? Uh, uh, do you think he's going to come? Uh, you think he's going to show up? Uh, you know, even all, you know, they're looking for him and, you know, what, what's going to happen? So they're, they're, they're asking amongst one another, what do you think? Isn't he coming to the festival at all? Is he going to show up? Listen, Jesus is the reason. For the festival. Now we know we go back in the, the Passover, we go back in the Old Testament when, uh, um, when the angel of death came and, and, G, and God said, uh, um, when I see the blood on the doorpost, I will pass over you. So the blood is, but here we're talking about Jesus. Jesus is the reason. He is the Passover. His blood, Jesus' blood delivers us from death. Now I'm talking about physical death. I'm talking about spiritual death. Spiritual death, which is eternal separation from God. Jesus' blood. So he is the reason. There is no Passover without Jesus. There is no deliverance without Jesus. There is no atonement without Jesus. There is no forgiveness without Jesus. Hallelujah. There is no deliverance without Jesus. There's no passing over without the blood of Jesus. So they're wondering, is he going to show up for the festival? Just, just like the Sabbath. You know, uh, what you can't do on the Sabbath. Jesus said that man wasn't made for Sabbath, but Sabbath was a gift for man, was made for man. Here, Jesus is the Passover. So they kept looking. They stood and they whispered, or maybe they talked out loud. Is he here? Is he going to show up? 
But the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders. They had already given orders that anyone who found out where Jesus was should report it so, so that they might arrest him. So they're still working on their timeline. We need to capture this Jesus because he is doing too much. He, he's opened the blind eyes. He's, he's given the lame to walk. He's given the deaf to hear. He's bringing people out of the grave. What? He's delivering, delivering Lazarus. And I, and, and I read, well, Augustine said that Jesus called Lazarus by name when he said, Lazarus, come forth. Because if he would have said, dead man, come forth, they said that everything dead in the tombs would have came out. So he was specific about saying Lazarus. So Jesus is, 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 is on the timeline of the father. And it is not time for him to be arrested. So he's not tucked away hiding because he's scared. He's, he's withdrawn so that he can be on the same page with his father. And that's, folks, what we need to do. Sometimes we have to withdraw so that we can get on the same page with God. Sometimes you got to withdraw from people, some people. I'm not talking about cast them off and think that you're more holier and better than them. No, that's the wrong attitude. God doesn't like a cocky attitude. God wants you to be confident in who you are. But sometimes we need to withdraw so we can be on the same page with our Lord. And so Jesus was and they're wondering where he is. Well, the Pharisees wanted to arrest Jesus because Jesus was a national threat to their security, their security of being safe from the Romans. They needed to find Jesus. All right, so let's review this. Let's, let's, let's see how the plot thickens. Let's see how the plot thickens. So number one, Jesus' miracle prompt, it prompted an emergency meeting, okay? Jesus' miracle, this wasn't a natural disaster. <laughs> this wasn't a war, all right? This wasn't a famine. It wasn't a hurricane or anything. This was Jesus bringing Lazarus from the dead and other miracles. Now, you, you might think if somebody called someone from the dead, we all would probably think, oh, this is a national, this is a, this is a, a national threat. This is, this is a natural threat or whatever we might, might call it, natural disaster. No, this was Jesus doing something wonderful. He was bringing one who was dead back to life. And remember, Jesus said he was dead. Jesus didn't say he was asleep. Jesus said he's dead. But so that my father's glorified, I'm going to bring him back to life. Sometimes there are situations in your life that appear dead, that, you, that, that, that are dead. And Jesus said, don't worry, I'm going to bring it back to life. Your marriage might be dead, but Jesus will bring it back to life. He can do it. He can do it. Your career, your, your education might seem dead, and he can bring it back to life. Your confidence in yourself, it might seem dead. You tucked it away for four days. Jesus said, roll away the stone, roll away the doubt, roll away the, 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 the lack of, of faith and belief, and come out. Come out. So Jesus, his miracle of Lazarus caused the Sanhedrin to go out of their, their normal schedule and call a special session, a special meeting. Number two, Jesus did many signs, miracles, and wonders. Ephesians 2 and 4, God also testified to it by signs, wonders, 
and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Okay, we talked about that in first Corinthians gifts. Right. But look at signs, wonders and various miracles. This is what Jesus did. Lazarus wasn't the only miracle. We know that. But miracles that Jesus did and that the people witnessed. They witnessed his signs. They witnessed his wonders. They witnessed his miracles. And you know the unique thing about that? All signs, all wonders, and all miracles point to Jesus. Oh, yes. Any sign, any wonder, any miracle, they all point to Jesus. Oh, yes. Listen, I, here we go. Yes. All signs, wonders, and miracles point to Jesus. That's the purpose of a miracle. That's the purpose of a sign. That's the purpose of a wonder. So that Jesus is glorified. So that he is lifted up. So that he is magnified. Remember, Jesus said to the Father, he said, Father, this is happening so that you could be glorified. God said, uh, Jesus said, this is happening. Remember the blind man? He said, this is so that the, the, the work of God can be manifest. All right? So all signs, wonders, and miracles point to Jesus. Hallelujah. So what did we learn? What did we learn about God here today? He will accomplish by any means necessary his will because God is in full control of the narrative. Hallelujah. This is just like uh, um, 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 Caiaphas. Okay? Caiaphas would accomplish by any means necessary capturing Jesus so that the Romans would not destroy them. So God, with his plan, while Caiaphas plotted, God was planning, he said he will accomplish by any means necessary his will because God is in full, con full control. So when it seems like it's spiraling out of your hands, Know that God is in control. Your hands cannot hold your life. God, when it's spiraling out of your hands, remember, God is holding you. God is holding you. When you're out of control, don't worry. God is controlling the situation. Thank you, Jesus. Caiaphas and the Pharisees thought they had the upper hand. They thought they had the thumb on the pulse, but God was working it out for the good. Glory to God. So he can do it because he's in full control. What do we learn about man? Well, man is at God's disposal. God can use any of us anytime he desires. God, we are the clay. He is the potter, right? God, we are at God's disposal. Okay, says many are the plans. Proverbs 19, 21, many are the plans in a person's heart. But it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. You can have your plans. You can have your plots. You can have your schemes. You can have your divisive uh, things that you draw up. You can have them all. But it's God's purpose that prevails. Jesus coming to die for our sin was not a permissive thing. It was not just a perfect thing. It was a divine Thing, meaning nothing was going to stop Jesus from coming into this world, dying on the cross, and three days later being resurrected. That was God's purpose, and it prevailed. 
and his purpose will continue to prevail in your life, in my life, in everything we do because God controls the narrative. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Third thing, what do we learn about the enemy? Huh? The enemy is no threat to God. That's what we learned about the enemy. The enemy is not a threat to God. What the enemy meant for the bad, God turned it into the good. Hallelujah. Glory to God. It's no threat. God is in control. He runs everything. He's got the whole world in his hands. Oh, yes. No, God is not the inventor of evil, but God can use evil for good. Yes, he can use evil for good. So we learn about God. We learn about man. We learn about the enemy. And now we conclude. I conclude with you here today. While man was plotting to take Jesus' life, God was planning to give us life. Never underestimate the power of God. Never underestimate the power of God navigating, orchestrating, and maneuvering people and things around you to fulfill his will. God is in control, right? Let me say that again. Don't underestimate the power of God navigating, orchestrating, and maneuvering people and things. That's why I said not just people, but things also around you to fulfill his will. God is in control. God is in control. So, God, if, if God is in control and God, we're, man is at God's disposal and God can use anyone and anything. Let me share with you a few here that God used. Say, God, God planned by using people, good or evil, to accomplish his will. God used Abraham to start a nation. God used Moses to deliver a nation. God used Esther to save a nation. Look at this. God used Caiaphas to prophesy of Jesus's death for his people. Okay? So we see save the nation, start a nation, deliver a nation. And here the mean, the evil one, God used to prophesy of Jesus's death for his people. After Jesus came, we were no longer just about a nation. We were no longer just a nation. We became his people. A nation was just an identity, but a people, meaning there was ownership. God owned us. We belonged to God. We weren't just a nation. We are a people because a nation was, the, was just Israel, but we became a people when it was the Gentiles and the Jews, and all of those who would believe on the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we became his people. So we praise God for being our Lord, our leader, and for us being his people. So being his people is all about him being our Savior. He is a Savior for all people. The gospel is for all people. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the gospel is for you. Will you give your heart to Jesus? Will you pray this prayer with me? The Bible says in Romans 10, 
If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God hath raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. Will you pray this prayer with me today? Giving your heart to Jesus and receiving the gospel because it's for all people. Pray with me. Dear Lord, I confess that I'm a sinner. Forgive me for all my sins. Jesus Christ is the son of God. He died for my sins. He rose for my life. Today, by grace, through faith, I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The angels in heaven rejoice if one soul comes to the Lord. If you have, please let us know here at Door Creek Church so we can continue to pray for you and call out your name to, to the Lord and you can be strengthened. Thank you so much for joining us today. May God continue to bless you and may God continue to keep you.